Apologies for the slight confusion, but we are indeed going to be looking uh, from verse 20 through to verse 38. Um, you certainly would find it useful to have a Bible open in front of you if you haven't already uh, done so. So please do open up that Luke 21. It's page 1155 over into page 1156. Well, we live in difficult times, don't we? Very, very difficult times with uh, uh, all that's happening over in Ukraine. So therefore, it's right that we begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, we do pray that you would help us to understand your word. Open our hearts, Lord. Open our minds to receive what you are saying and to help us to put into practice so that we may be equipped for your service. Amen. Well, with all that's going on, wh what are we to do? What are we to do in these difficult times? Now, my boss said a couple of days ago he's thinking of building a nuclear fallout shelter. And, of course, I, I laughed when he said it, because I don't think he's actually being serious, but if he is, he possibly needs to start digging sooner rather than later. Well, the future does seem uncertain. What are we to do if this Russian invasion into Ukraine escalates? Does Putin perhaps have a master plan to re-establish the old Soviet Union? What are we to do? Meanwhile, each day we read and we hear on the news of the horror, the absolute horror, the terror of this invasion into Ukraine. There are stories that the Russians just don't seem to care what they hit with their missiles. What are we to do? Well, let me suggest the best thing to do is to turn to the sovereign Lord, the God who holds this world in his hand. Remember the Lord is what we sung last week, didn't we? Remember the Lord, not just when you uh, almost step on the cat or out for a duck, but remember the Lord through all these things. And this morning, let's listen to what Jesus has already said of these times, because he's already told us that these things should not take us by surprise. And as Tom reminded us last week, Jesus said, when you hear of, of wars and revolutions, do not be frightened. And when we look back throughout history, these things have regularly happened. Fearful events as nations rise against nation and kingdoms against kingdoms. We've seen these things happen time and time again. What are we to do? Listen to God. Let's hear the words Jesus has already spoken about these times. For today, we finish off Luke chapter 21, which is why I've encouraged you to have that open uh, in front of you. It's written in the context of Jesus heading towards the cross. And if you know Luke, back in uh, chapter 19, we've got the story of Jesus riding into Jerusalem. And as he rides into Jerusalem, he's greeted by a great crowd that seems to welcome him, that cries out, Hosanna! But there's a contrast, isn't there? Because the Jewish chief priests, the teachers of the law, 
who are, look, are just looking for ways to get rid of Jesus. So it's in the context of rejection against Jesus and all that he's about to go through for us that Jesus now speaks about the future. In verses 20 to 24, Jesus speaks about the future judgment against Jerusalem, the destruction that is coming, which happens about 40 years' time from when Jesus speaks. But then in verses 25 to 36, Jesus speaks about the end times. He speaks of his future return, his second coming at the end of times, at the end of ages. What are we to do? Let's listen to what Jesus says about the future times. It is apocalyptic language here in these verses as we hear of the end days. These words are quite similar to some of the things Old Testament prophets said throughout. And we must always remember, don't we, that when God makes a promise, he keeps it. All his promises come true as they're pointed forward to what God has said he's going to do. Well, if you do indeed have that passage open in front of you, just look over again, verses 20 to 24. These verses speak of desolation. Desolation, the total ruin of a once great city, and especially the destruction of its temple. There will be great despair as people flee their homes. It will be especially dreadful for pregnant women. And why is this happening? What does Jesus say in verse 22? For this is the time of punishment in fulfillment of all that has been written. It's a time of punishment. Well, the pictures and stories coming out of Ukraine are, are similar to some of these things described here. And history does record the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70. And it was horrible. It was terrible. It was frightening. Now, the concept of the wrath of God is hard for so many people. Many claim it's unfair. How can the God of love treat people in such a way? But the wrath of God is, is measured and controlled. It's not, it's not a vengeful anger like so many people offer, you know, I'll get you back. That's what people say, isn't it, when they feel they've been wronged in some way. God's just judgment is fully justified. God's people had constantly rejected God throughout the Old Testament. And so he sent his son. And what's going to happen? They're going to nail him to a cross. God is just, and in his justice will come judgment. And so in the end, verse 24, Jesus says, they will fall by the sword and will be taken as prisoners to all the nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. That happened. That happened back in AD 70. And now as we move forward, we don't know when Jesus will return again. But before he does, 
according to these verses, there will be signs in the sun, the moon, and stars according to verse 25. And let me read again verse 25 and 26 to you. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. Men will faint with terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. But then, verse 27, at that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. In a sense, it is an awful picture here of terrible times ahead. We don't like sometimes that what we're hearing. It's unpleasant to a world that seems to believe in some way that mankind is getting better. I heard one person say, how can this type of invasion into Ukraine happen? We're, we're living in the 21st century. I guess he's suggesting mankind has somehow evolved further and all hatred and sin has gone. It hasn't, has it? It still abounds. Sin still rules the hearts of many. The world has not got any better when the very first rebellion happened against God. The first time man rebelled against God's rule, when the devil suggested that you will surely not die in the Garden of Eden. Nothing will actually change the whole world until God's justice, until the Son of Man returns to judge the living and the dead. Do we believe that? That's what we say every time we declare the creed, don't we? That we believe in the God of the living and the dead. This is a fact of life as far as Jesus is concerned. And we need to believe it, don't we? What he says is true. He says, I declare to you the truth. He's coming back, isn't he? He's coming back. Verse 27 again. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great, um, great glory. And then to illustrate the certainty, Jesus then tells us a parable about a fig tree in verses 29 to 31. He told them this parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you will see for yourselves and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Now, I've read that uh, Charles Dickens is uh, quoted as saying, train up a fig tree in the way it should go, and when you are old, sit under the shade of it. That sounds quite profound, doesn't it? Uh, but it's been accepted by many a gardener that it's... Uh, it's also asking us, basically, to be patient, that wait for it to grow, and then eventually um, you'll have a leaf and you can sit under it. Now, I can't, I can't say what Dickens had in mind when, he, when I read that, um, but it's possible he's borrowing from actually the book of Proverbs, which again says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Well, what, what then is the common thread here between the raising of children and the fig trees. Perhaps it's just that it takes a labor of love, but in the end, the fruit will come. But what's being said here is that it, it is certain, isn't it? When you start to see those leaves coming out, it's certain this 
will happen. When you see these times are happening, it's certain that Jesus is going to come back. Now, this parable is probably not uh, what we'd normally think of as a parable, is it? There isn't a story, per se, of, a, uh, of an old lady perhaps searching for a coin or sons or servants or stewards. This parable is really more of an observation and it's a warning, isn't it? It heralds the coming of the Son of Man, calling the listener to have eyes and to see the signs, to see the, the, the leaves coming out and to be ready. The summer's coming, Jesus is returning. Jesus tells us there are signs that indicate the arrival, the advent, the presence and the, the power of the kingdom of God. Like leaves on a fig tree, such signs can only point us towards Jesus is coming back. People will know fear that earth and uh, heaven will be traumatized. They will see the Son of Man arriving in a cloud with power and glory. And how long must we wait? We don't know, do we? But we do know it is certain that Jesus will return. The kingdom is near now. It is a promise that the church needs to hear, isn't it? Watch out for the signs, Jesus says, and you'll see that the end is drawing near. What are we to do? What are we to do? Let me tell you, in our office, we do have a Ukrainian lady, and she's seriously, seriously worried about her family back home. She told me that her parents have to sleep in shifts. Someone has to stay awake at all times in case they need to move out suddenly. You see, you can't be caught asleep, can you? If tanks move into your town, you've got to move. We also have a couple of uh, others in our workplace who are from the Baltic states, and they're worried that Putin won't stop at Ukraine. One of my colleagues, who is Latvian, she just wants us all to shut up, shut up. She doesn't want to hear this in the, in the office. It's just too much, and she fears for the worse. What are we to do? Well, in response to this invasion, there are lots of things we can do. As English, we object, don't we? And we put on sanctions, but there are practical things we can be doing, can't we? We can be sending aid, donating money, things like that. We can be praying. But as Christians, what do we do? Let's listen to what Jesus has said. And let me suggest three things we can take away from these words, three promises which were there within that passage. First of all, the return of Jesus is a day to which Christians should look forward. Why? Look at verse, look again at verse 28. When these things begin to take place, stand up, lift up your heads, because, what's happening? Your redemption is drawing near. It's happening. When Jesus returns to judge the living and the dead, it is good news for Christians because he promises a not guilty verdict to those who have turned to him in repentance and faith. Jesus' death on the cross has brought us a new relationship with God. Our sins have been wiped clean for those who have repented and turned back to Jesus. So why fear these end times? When Jesus comes back, it will be good news for the Christian. And therefore, let's look 
forward to this. But secondly, let's watch ourselves. Verse 34, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with, well, my version says dissipation. I think you've got the word carousing there, haven't you? Uh, drunkenness and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness and the anxieties of life. Well, our hearts are prone to wander, aren't they? So let's not be weighed down with, as I said, the word is dissipation in my version, which means to squander it away, to, uh, to waste your days, to fritter away your lives. And I say this to myself as well. I know that far too much of my time is spent on other things when time could be spent talking to people about Jesus, could be spent in Christian books, or more importantly, in prayer. Let me suggest a third thing from verse 36. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Brothers and sisters, let's stay awake as Christians. Now that doesn't mean we can't go to sleep at the end of the day. Uh, we need time to refresh ourselves for the next day. But we need to stay alert. Stay alert at all times. And we need to be praying. Praying for the strength to stand firm before the Son of Man when he comes back. What are we to do in these difficult times? Let's listen to Jesus. We don't need to be scared because our future is certain. One day Jesus will return in judgment. But for the Christian, that's a wonderful day. It is the day of our redemption. So let's thank God for that now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, forgive us when we doubt you, when tragedies happen, when wars and rumours of wars happen, when we, are wit when we witness awful and terrible things. But please help us not to fear, but help us to trust your promises, your promises which always come true. Help us to look forward to your return. And whilst we do so, let us, be, let us be useful people for you, serving your purposes, awake to what is going on, and praying, praying at all times for all these things. Thank you, Lord, for the cross. Thank you for the sacrifice you made for us, for, for giving your life to rescue us from the slavery to sin. Help us always to remember what you did for us. Help us to take this message, to share this message with others. Amen.